Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We've been broadcasting on this issue for years, and I would venture to say I've done more about this issue than anybody else in media in Canada. And we've talked to family members of pain patients who were forced tapered off their medications they'd been taking for many years, which had given them some quality of life, so they weren't in 24-7 agony, but they were forced tapered off their medications, and they committed suicide. Just about three weeks ago, we spoke with a woman whose husband shot himself in her presence because he had been forced off his medication that he'd been taking for years, and he just could no longer bear the agony. So I'm not going to ask my guest to, to make any announcements on on that, but I am glad the Dr. Alexis Crabtree is with us on the program to talk about this study. She is the lead author and resident physician in public health and preventative medicine at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Crabtree, thank you very much for taking the time, and, and why did you do the study at this particular time? Well, I, you know, as part of the response, the provincial response to the overdose emergency in British Columbia, um, there's been a need for data and information to drive action. And this study was really about understanding where are the substances that are found when a person dies of overdose coming from, because it's only when we know where they're coming from that we can take appropriate action to prevent overdose. Yeah, otherwise it's guessing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So for this study, we compared the information that's found by the coroner on their post-mortem toxicology investigation with that same person's prescription medication history in the time before the overdose to really understand which of these medications are um, have come to them via prescription and which are coming via other so I'm reading from uh, your interpretation, um, and, and this is the study. This, I got this out of the Canadian Medical Association Journal. We examined the postmortem toxicology and confirmed illicit drug-related deaths in relation to comprehensive prescription histories of cases with opioids found relevant to death. Only 2.4% of cases had prescribed only opioids found relevant in toxicology. A further 7.8% of cases had a combination of prescribed and non-prescribed opioids detected. Most people, 90%, were the opioids relevant to death, had not been prescribed these substances. What does that say? Well, that tells us that these medications, or these substances that were found on toxicology, are not coming from a physician. It doesn't tell us in the past did they have a prescription for opioids and I think you raised in the introduction the issue of people who have previously had a prescription and then lost access to that prescription and no longer have it. So this really tells us um, that the majority of um, these substances are not by prescription and therefore efforts that are focused only on deprescribing opioids are not going to solve the overdose crisis. Yeah. I've spoken with people on the air who then later told me, actually, I think several, I may have said while they were on the air, that after they were, because they were cut off from their opioid prescriptions, because their doctors were afraid of what would happen to them if they continued to prescribe, if they lose their license or other things might happen to them, uh, they were going to be dealing with street corner drug dealers. And there was one story that I was pursuing, and we talked about it on the air a couple of years ago, where a street corner drug dealer took pity on a chronic pain patient and became her doctor 
provided her with free street drugs. And, you know, that's when the ridiculous becomes the sublime, and it really demands investigation. I'm not going to ask you to even comment on that. I'm just throwing that out there for our listeners to either remember or, or be aware of. Um, so the study continues. Uh, our findings underscore the declining role of prescription opioids and heroin in the overdose crisis and the rise of synthetic opioids and stimulants. So... Again, I'll ask you for the layman's interpretation. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, where there was a time where we thought, you know, this is primarily a prescription overdose issue and prescription medication issue, um, that's not the case now. And so the response cannot be solely a medical response. We're seeing, and this study looked not just at opioids, but also stimulants because we're seeing... um, overdose related to polysubstance use, not just over, not just opioids, um, we need to move the response away from just the medical system and uh, into a broader political response. Um, you wrote, or the study says, right, so I'm reading this, physicians should be encouraged to practice patient-centered opioid prescribing. The risk of harms from these medications including the harm of starting new long-term opioid therapy and the harms of continuing therapy instead of offering alternative therapies with better evidence of efficacy, must be balanced with the potential harms of non-consensual discontinuation of opioids for long-term users, including increased pain, risk of suicide, and risk of transition to the toxic, illicit drug supply. That's right. This is something I wrote for physicians, and that's the reason that this study was published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. There are people who are benefiting from opioids and would continue to benefit from these medications. And for those people, we encourage, and this study, I think, provides reassurance to physicians that this can be a safe way of caring for them. That said, I think that people who are living in pain deserve access to the full spectrum of treatments that we have available. So whether that's counseling, whether that's other medications, whether that's hands-on therapies like massage and physiotherapy, they deserve it all. And it's not enough to just say, we'll relax our, our methods of prescribing opioids and that that's good enough for people. But it's not an either-or situation. Absolutely. Who sees this report? Will this go to the colleges of physicians and surgeons in the various provinces? Will doctors feel, as doctors have told me off the air, that they feel uh, threatened at times with losing their licenses, feel unsure of what they should do, and so they don't do it. They don't prescribe the opioid pain uh, medications, even for patients who've been taking them for years and have had their quality of life improved. Does Does this information go to those people? Yes, so this information goes is available to um, physicians across Canada, including the physicians who work at the various colleges across the country. Um, the Canadian Medical Association Journal is a widely read one by all of these um, these various institutions and by physicians on the front lines who are dealing with this. Yeah. And, you know, I hope that they read this and feel not just reassured about prescribing opioids for people in pain who may benefit from those medications, but also to people who are at risk of overdose from the toxic illicit drug supply. Indeed. 
In British Columbia, there are guidelines that exist for people who want to prescribe alternatives off-label for the um, toxic illicit drug market, opioids or stimulants. Um, and I hope that this is reassuring to physicians who are considering that off-label prescribing. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.